Welcome to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelik. If you're struggling to stay ahead of your daily life challenges, you will want to listen close as Eva and her guests will help you address the most important priorities first. Now, here's your host, Eva Medelik. Welcome to today's show, everyone. I am Eva Medelek, and my guest today is Dr. Linda Jordan. As a business consultant and corporate trainer, Dr. Linda works with organizations, business owners, and professional leaders, helping them identify and close gaps in the workplace by setting goals and creating a strategy to increase productivity and growth in the workplace. Dr. Linda has assisted with leadership assessments and performance management. So she does so much in the leadership space and Lord knows we need (laughs) effective leaders today. So welcome to the show today, Dr. Linda. (laughs) Thank you, Eva. Thanks for having me. So help our, our listeners, if you will, know a little bit about you before we move into what you do and the problems you solve and who we have. Like, what is some fun facts about you? Oh, okay. Well, I always start with my my normal statement is that I'm a wife, mother, uh, breast cancer survivor, um, but I'm a country girl. Um, so born and raised in the South in Virginia and uh, raised on a farm. So um, I am a middle child of eight. There's four girls and four boys in my family. And so we just have a fabulous time getting together and um, hanging out and enjoying each other during holidays. So did you actually work on a farm? Yeah. (laughs) Worked on a farm with (laughs) um, tobacco. Um, So my dad and my grandfather were farmers. So we uh, had tobacco, we had cucumbers, we raised, you know, had cotton that we had to go pick in the fields and corn and all that type of stuff, cows and pigs. And so, yes, a true country girl. (laughs) Wow. That is real farming. You know, my, my dream is to at least have a chicken one day, but my husband won't let me. (laughs) Well, my husband has chickens now, so we don't have to buy eggs because we just every morning. I know that that's a dream of mine and I'm not going to give up on that dream. I'm going to hold tight to it. Um, So what do you like to do for fun? My husband always asks me that question. What do you like to do for fun? Um, uh, that's a great question. <laughs> so what's fun for me is planting flowers, um, sitting on the deck and uh, just watching the chicks and chickens and the ducks, you know, roam around and searching for warm worms and things of that nature. It's just relaxing. That's really what's fun for me. Um, you know, we go to vacation fun, of course, is sitting on the beach and reading, but I'm pretty much of a low key kind of a gal. So you still have kind of that that farm life going on where you live now with where you have little animals running around? Yes, yes. We have about, um, I think, 15 chickens, um, six ducks. Um, We have a koi pond and um, I just enjoy it. (laughs) <laughs> that sounds amazing. I am going to invite myself over to to visit. Oh sure, that it's farm so relaxing. <laughs> it sounds like that's why you're always so nice and 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 grounded and even. <laughs> so so let's get into you know what you do because I know you are an esteemed PhD and you work a lot in leadership. Um, how did you get from the farm? <laughs> to being Dr. Linda Jordan, the leadership consultant. <laughs> um, so, of course, went to college and uh, found my corporate job uh, that I fell in love with and worked there for 27 and a half years, did a variety of different um, positions in the organization. So from finance to human resources to sales operations, uh, did some outsourcing for the organization. And so I just always wanted to learn different things. And um, I am a learner. So anytime opportunities came up in the organization for me to um, expand my growth, expand my knowledge, I would always raise my hand for the opportunity. And so that's what I I did for 27 and a half years until I took early retirement um, to take care of my health uh, due to breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about the uh the problems that you solve now because i know you know you have this impressive resume here and corporate training um 
what specifically, how do you help these corporations specifically? What do you train them in? I think is what I'm trying to say and fumble with a little bit. Oh, no Mm -hmm. worries. Um, So today what organizations are um, seeking and what I'm assisting them with is sort of like soft skills training, but leadership skills as well. So um, there's workplace harassment because, you know, organizations are trying to make sure they're in compliance before the end of year. Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging has been a hot topic all year. Um, And so organizations are making sure that they are getting their staffs fully trained. So organizations as well as local municipalities. So working on making sure that we get individuals um, sharing the knowledge of what it is, but doing something differently when it comes to DEI and D training, not just your typical standard. It's really having those tough conversations. Yeah, it is all about the communication and conversations. I find that when I, I'm i in the corporate space training, it's really teaching people how to talk to one another. That yeah. creates that safe that safety. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that safety net. And they don't feel that if I say something, you know, someone's going to hold something against them. So, yeah. And you want to make sure that, you know, your questions and, and whatever it is that you say are really creating a... Um, a space that is inclusive where people do mm-hmm. get to contribute equally and don't feel that their voice will not be heard. Yes. So what, what is it now in corporate training that you enjoy the most training? Cause I, I, I heard you say that you did a number of things in corporations. Mm-hmm. They need so much. What is the favorite for you? The favorite for me is um, doing a disc assessment. So disc training, Mm-hmm. Um, which is your communication styles, your behavior styles. And I love that the most actually I'm doing one tomorrow for a real estate group. But I, I love that the most because communication is the number one thing that all individuals need improvement in, whether you're a leader or a worker. Communication is the foundation of building relationships for people understanding how to do their jobs, just normal communication. And so that's why I really love the the DISC presentation that I do and the surveys that people conduct to, to really help them understand what is their behavior styles? How do they want to be communicated to so that they can effectively communicate with others? Are you finding that that's a big problem? Oh, it's a huge problem. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is a huge problem because we as individuals, we sometimes make assumptions about what people are thinking of what they're going to say before they even say it, because we're trying to multitask and get so much done. And we don't take the time to truly listen to what is being said. Yeah. Listening is key. I find that. And and listening, not just to react or respond, Mm -hmm. but listening to have a deeper understanding of where the person is coming from. And, you know, I guess we're not learning that in school because by the time we get to work, we have to be trained on it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I think from a work perspective, it's because we're trying to multitask. And... I don't think that multitasking is really something that people can actually do effectively, but, you know, everyone's on Zoom. We're trying to get to meetings. We're trying to check, do the work family balance thing. um, And that causes a problem. Yeah. And then we find ourselves, yes, trying to figure out how to actually um, have a direct conversation. You know, it's interesting as well. I think depending upon the type of family dynamic that we grew up in, you know, we don't always learn effective communication skills within our own families. You know, some people, unfortunately, do grow up in a abusive households where there, there may be a lot of uh, yelling or screaming or abuse or accusations. And no, you know, if we're relying on our family dynamic to teach us these effective communication skills, that most likely is not happening. So in addition, I would say to the fact that we are trying to get a million things done at once and multitasking, it is a skill that actually we need to be trained in because the handbook isn't given out in the hospital during our birth on how to have effective communication skills within in the family. And a lot of us 
I know I find that when I'm, I'm with my clients, a lot of us take that training because that was implanted in us really, really young and bring that into our adult lives and our adult relationships, not really realizing why we are having challenges, if you will, communicating effectively. What are you finding? Yeah, I'm a family, I'm from a large family. And so communication dynamics um, can be quite interesting because yes. <laughs> we all love the talk and we all want to be heard. And it's amazing uh, when we have people come over to when we're a poor family gathering, we have guests and they're like, oh my gosh, you all talking at the same time, but you understand each other and they are completely <laughs> lost. So imagine that in a workplace setting, uh, that could be just... Uh, <laughs> quite a bit overwhelming. And oftentimes that actually does happen in the workplace where leaders may make assumptions about what their employees might need. And that's not what employees really need. And that's one of the reasons why there's so much turmoil in the workplace with individuals looking for new employment because employees don't necessarily need or want what leaders believe they need and want today. And that has changed. So what do you mean by that? Go so in a, that. <laughs> in a recent McKinsey study, um, uh, global survey, it showed that individuals are, are leaving organizations, not for the pay, but they're leaving because of other reasons, you know, having that work family balance, but most importantly, having that sense of belonging. And, you know, I know when I was in corporate America, I wasn't focused on all of that as to why employees left. The, you know, the the sense of belonging was there, but it really wasn't a, a major component. And the millennials today, that's really what they're looking for. It's not about how much money they're going to make. It's how much time can they balance work and family time. But is there, do they have a seat at the table when discussions are being had or decisions are being made in the workplace? And if they don't feel that that's happening, then they don't have a sense of belonging. And therefore they're willing to move to another organization where they feel that they can get that. Yeah, it's about the company culture, I I think. And the the old way of doing things is not working <laughs> like it's it used to. Yeah. For you know, people are really focusing on what's important to them and what matters most to them. And if they're not getting that in their companies, organizations. Yeah. I, I, you know, back in my day, I'll just say it like that. Back in the day, we used to stay at jobs 10, 20, 30 years. Right. Yeah. And I remember, you know, my kids seemed like every two years they were changing, changing jobs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and of course me being a baby boomer and them being millennials, I always had a little bit of a critical uh, word about that, but I, I kind of get it now. You know, yeah. they're looking for a culture where they'll, they'll feel seen, heard, and, and respected and can easily, um, more readily have more of a balance to their mental, emotional, and physical mm-hmm. health and well-being, which baby boomers, we just worked ourselves to death. And that's how yeah. we were raised to do that. <laughs> yeah, we were taught that, you know, after high school or college, you get a job or you go to military and you stay there for 30 years. And then you retire and enjoy the good life. Yeah. yeah. My, it, my dad still thinks that, that uh, I'm going to get a pension. <laughs> like, you know, bless his heart. He's 90. But uh, I'm like, yeah. That's a blessing. That he's 90. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that doesn't work like that anymore, daddy. But yeah, it really is interesting to see how the workplace culture and dynamic is, is changing and how we've got to adapt. Mm-hmm to keep talent. I mean, it's called talent now. Back in the olden yes. days, it was employees. It's employees, you're right, yeah. <laughs> so Absolutely. Like, talent, it's talent. Is this, is, is this uh, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, an audition? <laughs> an audition <laughs> for talent? So who's the type of um, organizations, if you will, or are the type of people that absolutely should seek you out to hire you? Like, who are you for and who are you not for? I am for any organization that has employees that, um, or or leaders and leaders that may be faced with different challenges, such as the, having employee engagement and it's balancing with employee productivity. Mm-hmm. So I typically work in um, organizations around five thousand employees, 
or, or less. So, so small organizations are not an issue. And it's for profit or nonprofit organizations. I also work with variety variety of municipalities, cities and towns uh, that may need assistance for different types of training skills. Great, great. Um, I think this is a good time for us to take a little bit of a break um, because I know I've heard I've heard you talk before and what I've heard you say in some of your your signature talks was about excuses mm-hmm. and how excuses and you know can really impede our leadership and and how we show up. So I want to go into that a little bit more with you and find out what you mean by um, by our excuses preventing sure. us from living our best life. So um, everybody, stick with us. We'll be right back. We're with Dr. Linda Jordan, and we're going to talk about excuses next. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. Welcome back, everyone. I am here with Dr. Linda Jordan, a leadership coach and consultant. Now, Dr. Linda, before we went to break, we said we're going to talk about excuses. What are you noticing in your leadership training about excuses? Because I would imagine, and this is just me imagining, that some people who hire you to change their organization because they're having these challenges are not too easy to maybe want to (laughs) change how they're showing up, even though they've hired you to help them change. What are you what are you finding? (laughs) <laughs> well, that, that, that's actually true. Um, leaders are um, 
struggling with, you know, they always say, you know, they don't have enough time to get things done. Because as I said earlier, they're multitasking and they're trying to, so for an example, working in a plant manufacturer organization, they're trying to get the office work done, stay on the floor to see what's going on with their team. So they're, you know, they, they have minimal time to get things done the way that they want to. Um, but I call that still, you know, we, we make excuses for why we don't do the things that we should do. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. It's how you allocate the time that you choose to use. And so it's having those real tough conversations with leaders about how are you effectively managing your time? Most importantly, how are you effectively delegating work that you should not be doing? Where maybe there is an administrative assistant that can help you or a team lead that can do some of that work for you. And there are still leaders today that struggle with letting things go. And that's really where the rubber meets the road because they've got to feel comfortable with letting people do things that they've always done before. Control freaks. (laughs) (laughs) You said it. They don't want to give up control. I mean, I am in recovery for wanting to control everything. And, you know, I would imagine that you find a lot of leaders who still want to micromanage and, and maybe don't trust, but what are you noticing are some of the excuses that you hear as to say, for example, if you made a suggestion or, or something or a recommendation, oh, that won't work because da 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 da. <laughs> yes, that that that's one of the exef- definitely examples. They say that things won't work because number one, they haven't really had the conversation or done an employee survey to figure out what employees want or don't want. Mm. So. Unfortunately, there you know some leaders are making or, or creating um, reasons why things cannot be done, and that's just uh, an excuse, in my opinion, because employees do want more, um, managers want more, supervisors want more, but sometimes they can't you know break the surface of senior leadership to see what really needs to be done. So it's really about it's not the fact that things can't be done, they don't have enough time to get things done, or there's not enough money in the budget to do it. Because there's there's funds allocated for certain things. It's how you prioritize to make sure that it gets done. So organizations really need to do more employee surveys from a productivity perspective, from an employee engagement perspective, to really find out how employees truly feel about the work and are they happy with where they are. Because unfortunately, they do it in the reverse. They do the survey after the employee leaves or at the point of leaving. Well, it doesn't matter then because <laughs> so, they're out the door. All right. So now I have to, I have to do a farm uh, thing. You know, what is it? C- closing the barn door after the horses escape, <laughs> right? Horse escape. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there with your farming yeah. background. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter about doing the survey after they've left or why they're leaving. You need to keep them in the door. And that's why organizations are struggling with retaining talent because they're not tapping into the, 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 the gifts that the employee brings. Yes, you hire individuals to do certain things, but they bring other gifts and talents with them. And if so, if someone raises their hand that, yes, I can help with the project and they're not chosen or selected to do that because that's not their job then they're going to feel that they don't belong because, you know, so what if I was hired to do X, but I have skill sets to do these other things and no one's utilizing those skills, skill sets, then they're going to go someplace where they can really tap into their genius. And that's really what employees are looking for. How do I tap into my genius? Not just do the, you know, the mundane work. They want to give back to the organization. They want to be a part of the decision-making. They want to be a part of the team. And, you know, you don't have to be a leader to have a title. And I think that's part of the struggle as well. We have so many leaders in organizations that don't have the title, but they don't get the ability or the time to let people know that they are good leaders because they don't have the title. You know, it's funny you should say that because I'm listening to John Maxwell's five levels of leadership. And I think level one was the title. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) and the title... (laughs) really doesn't mean anything but what i what i'm getting out of that particular book around leadership is how leaders develop other leaders yes 
What have you noticed different in a um, post-COVID world, (laughs) (laughs) post-apocalypse world, as it was pre-COVID when it came to employee satisfaction and culture and, you know, people like, like we had talked about before, we're leaving, I found maybe two to three years anyway, to, to seeking out better company cultures. Right. But they have this kind of, what is it? Mass resignation and everything that's going on in corporate now since COVID where people are like, we don't have to put up with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Our mental health, our emotional health, our physical health, and yes. our time with our family is more precious because we really got smacked in the face with how quickly everything could turn and what we could lose. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so leaders are having to step it up a little bit because you do find that employees are taking, utilizing, I won't say taking advantage, they're utilizing their time that they're given, such as, you know, sick time or vacation time or personal time. They're utilizing that. Where before, when I was in corporate America, I would have personal days or sick days. I rarely took them, even though I had to you know, take my daughter to the doctor. I'd be rushing, trying to make up my time. And there's been a mind shift. So as you mentioned, yes, uh, workers today are really focusing more on, yes, I will get the job done. But if my family has a priority or a need that needs to be taken care of, that's really going to take precedence first. Because once they leave that job, someone's going to step in and, and do what needs to be done. So that's the sense of belonging or sense of ownership, I would say, is probably a better word. The sense of ownership isn't there the way that it was back in my time period. So when I worked in corporate America, I kind of like my husband always says, you wore the corporate hat. You know, I came home. I was still talking corporate. I made decisions like I was in corporate. <laughs> now that I'm an entrepreneur, I don't do that. And, and I think that's been the transition that the baby boomers, which I am, that's kind of how we had that sense of ownership in an organization. And today that's shifted slightly. People are not, individual workers are not selling themselves short. They're not sacrificing family time, personal time, their mental health, their physical health for an organization who is not giving it back in return to them. So it's no longer about, we're gonna pay you X amount of salary, but you may have less personal time. It's not about that anymore. You could probably they're not doing the trade off anymore. Yeah, they're not doing the trade off. Whereas me as a baby boomer, or if they said I'm going to give you a raise, oh yeah, sign me up. But we were also not doing that. I think we were also more afraid of losing our job. We were. Yeah. My daughter's 28, so she's uh, right on the cusp of millennials, and she's in between jobs right now. But you know, I talked to her this morning. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Well, she's looking, but she's not stressing out. I am stressing out. Like, okay. <laughs> How many jobs have you applied for today? Have you heard from them? And she's like, mom, you know, when it comes up, it'll come up. I'm like, I'm- well, you know what I find interesting about that, Linda, is, um, you know, I have two millennial daughters as well. They are 33 and 36. Uh-huh. And baby boomers really, ba- parents of millennials really have made our kids' lives are really comfortable at home, like really comfortable. So there was, what I noticed is there there was no urgency for them to ever leave or want to leave because it was so miserable at home. Like it may have been for, I'm not saying that we had miserable homes, but like, yeah, you know, we wanted to get out. We wanted to start our own families. We wanted to, you know, you had like 500 kids there. So you wanted some, like, I want, I need my own space. Yeah. Your own space. Yeah. And so, I left, when did I, I got married at 25. So I was out of the house at 25, starting my, my own family and my own life. And, but you find with millennials, especially, and I blame us for them. Uh, oh, yeah. There's no reason for them to leave. They got right. it. You know, <laughs> even if they are working, plus everything is so expensive and we don't, yes. we don't want to really see them struggle or fail right. or fall. And so we really have made it, comfortable to the point where they didn't want to leave. I mean, I had to literally throw my youngest out of the house at one point because she started complaining about my cooking. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) you have six months to find a job and get out. 
And fortunately, oh, wow. you know, because I did own real estate, you know, there was a place I could put her in, but I'm like, when, when right. you're starting to complain, don't put mushrooms in that. Cause I don't like mushrooms and you're 26, right. 27 years old. <laughs> <laughs> time to go. And um, yeah. of course she, she probably thought I was throwing her out in the tenderloin in San Francisco. And I'm like, no, but I, I had to put a little bit of a fire under her to stop with the part-time jobs here and there. And to really get serious mm-hmm. about finding something full time. And once she had to leave, she figured it out and, yeah. and, and yeah, she, figure did, it out. she figured it out. And, um, I was like, you'll never be homeless. You'll never be starving. You know, I'll give you a break right. on the plant, but you're, you're living under my roof complaining about my TV being too loud. It's just like, <laughs> girl, you got to go. But anyway, I, I share that with you to say that the generation that is in the, in the majority, I guess, of the workforce now, um, is used to being comfortable, mm-hmm. right? They are, yeah. And they, you know, to their credit, I have to say, they do fight for the culture they want where they can have a both and and not an either or. They're not really into sacrificing their health right. and their well-being nope. and their relationships like we did. Yes. Because they're not that afraid. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> They're not. And what's interesting is that, you know, if if a leader or someone at work made a comment that was offensive to to me at work at, back in my day, you know, I would just huddle in my to myself or talk to my close friends and deal with it and, you know, stress out about it a little bit because I didn't want to lose my job. Mm-hmm. Whereas today, if someone says something like that to an employee today, they're like, done, you don't care about me and I'm out. You know, so it's it's very different where they're not willing to risk all of those things that we sacrificed. Yeah, um, that's that's interesting, and, and isn't it? <laughs> it? It is. And it just freaks me out. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but they, you know, they will be all right, I think. <laughs> yeah, um, they really will. They, they, they will figure out um, a way to make it work and... You know, and I, and I got to give them kudos to that. I make fun of millennials a lot because I have a couple, but um, I, I really think some of them really have figured out a way to have both in and not live that self-sacrificial life that killed a lot of us and our parents, you know, mm-hmm. early heart attacks and diseases and things like that. They're right. Like, yeah, high no. blood pressure, high cholesterol. <laughs> yeah. And like, we're not doing that. We're not doing yeah. that. They're not. Um, so it's, it's really, yeah, I, I applaud them for standing up for what they believe in and uh, doing what's right for them. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take a quick little break. And um, one of the things I do want to talk to you about when we come back is what some of these excuses are and who's more likely to come up with excuses (laughs) you see when you're working with, but also, you know, what is possible for us and our leadership, because we don't have to have the title of leader, Mm -hmm. uh, a title to be a leader is really how I want to say that. What is possible for us and our leadership when we do get rid of the excuses and how Mm -hmm. we really reach that next level? So stick with us, guys. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it www.evamedelec.com slash quiz Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition not something you have Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now This is the year you can choose to change Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. 
A peaceful life is something most people only ever dream of, but can never achieve. Using tools from ancient wisdom can help you achieve that peace. Listen to The Peace Bridge Talk Show on the Voice America Influencers Channel to learn what those tools are and how to implement them. The Peace Bridge Talk Show, hosted by Amrita Kailas. Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. All right, everybody, we are back with Dr. Linda Jordan. And talking about my favorite thing is excuses. <laughs> so, Dr. Linda, in leadership, who's more likely to come up with, I almost, I almost asked you male or female, <laughs> but who's more likely to have excuses that maybe push back on your training? It's, you know, it's been a mix. Um, but most recently, I could say it's more men than women. And that's because they, they want to get the job done. They're like, we're good. (laughs) There are no issues going on. We're good. We just need to get the job done or we're going to come to training and um, then we're going to go back to work. Yeah. They're very results orientated. Very results oriented. The touchy feely is not there so much. Now, do do you think it's because it's coming from a woman? You know, that's a great question. Um, but I'm, I, I don't think so. Um, okay. And I, I say that because in several of the discussions that we've had um, in the training, and it's been mostly men because recently it's been more production manufacturing. So my trainings have been predominantly men. Um, the women that are there, they are uh, eager to learn. They want to learn more. But it's been a 50-50 split with some of the men. And oddly enough, um, the men that were not leaders were the ones they were focused on. Let's just get the work done. I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my training. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. But then the, the leaders who were the supervisors, they were like, yeah, let's get into it. And um, they want to learn more. So I think that there is a yearning for um, male leaders to really increase their soft skills. Um, but they, when they have the time to do it, they're really into it. But if they don't have the time, it's like, okay, we've got to get our numbers. You know, we've got to get the production done or they've got a, a certain order they have to fill. So it sort of depends on what's going on that will dictate whether, um, you know, they have the time to spend or they're just like going through the motions. And that's one of the things I talk about is, you know, this is not a going through the motions exercise. You know, you've got the time to absorb and learn a new skill or talent. So take the opportunity, embrace it. Don't focus on what's happening on the floor because there's staff on the floor that can handle it. You know, I think they, um, I mentioned to you before I'm reading the uh, listening to the five levels of leadership and productivity is is something that 
is more predominant in in, in men and mm-hmm. you know the company's got to make its bottom line and its numbers other yeah. otherwise everybody's job is can be in jeopardy and so i can see where they're toying between all right you've, you you're making me do this training you've signed me up for this but we really need the production so that we keep our numbers up and mm-hmm. you know meet our deadlines or whatever goes on in in manufacturing and stuff how do you create that both and that balance balance that need to you know have the production have the numbers and build the leadership skills at the same time because it seems to me that they need to know that they're not mutually excuse exclusive, exclusive right? <laughs> <laughs> so what what i basically tell leaders and employees is that you know while you're in this training you have to think about it this way if you're not sharpening your saw every single day then the productivity will remain status quo or high wherever it is. But you have to continuously sharpen that saw to learn more, to increase your skills so that you can then increase your productivity. Because when employees feel that they are, an organization is investing in them to improve their skills, to help them be that next leader, then they're more likely to be much more engaged. And when you have a much more engaged team, your productivity numbers will increase. So leaders shouldn't focus so much on if they're in training that, you know, the numbers are going to drop. More than likely, the numbers will increase because they're more engaged. And when the leaders are in training with them, then the numbers definitely will increase because they know that my manager is taking out time with me to learn with me side by side. And then when we're done with training, we go back on the floor or wherever that may be. You can take those skill sets and put them into action. So I hold individuals accountable. We talk about what are your plans of action now that you've been trained? Just don't come in here to be trained because, you know, I decide out of mind, (laughs) how do we take this and incorporate it and put it into practice? Now, do most leaders do go go to the training with their their, um, employees? Yes. Most recently, I have had more managers in training with the employees. And I want to have a mixture of that because I don't want employees to come in and you know, sort of someone will say, well, you know, can we talk about this? Because, you know, what stays in here, what you talk about in my training stays in there. It doesn't go out unless you carry it out yourself. But I, I, I find that when employees can freely express themselves, share what's on their hearts, what's on their minds, how they're feeling with the managers in the room, then chances are much more likely that you'll see a lot more improvement. It's what happens oftentimes is that you know, we do these surveys and you don't have manager involvement. And then you may have employees that kind of like bash some managers, but they could be going through something or someone may have said something to them or maybe they didn't get a promotion. So it's not true, uh, true feelings about what's happening in the moment. And that's why I like to have a combination so that they can actually hear it from the individuals, what's happening or how they're feeling, what's bothering them. I know when I was doing some training with Fidelity, we had a managerial cohort and the associate cohorts, and they were doing, you know, they were on the same track, but Uh two different groups because we wanted the associates to feel comfortable, (laughs) you know, (laughs) the associates, but also the managers, but what they, what they had to do as far as, I don't know, homework, if you will, if you will. Uh, was to go back to their managers and discuss Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z. And the managers had to go back to the associates and discuss X, Y, and Z, both knowing that they had been in the training um, separately, but then they come together at the end and then we'd come back the next week and discuss uh, how those Mm -hmm. conversations with uh, went right. with their managers and their associates. And it, it was pretty eye-opening because I, I haven't always been in the corporate space. And so I just really found that that um, dynamic, that hierarchy, that leadership dynamic, um, yeah. you know, did have a lot of, especially people from historically minoritized communities, not speak up fully for themselves you right. know, with their managers and with their leadership because of that. Well, because of many things, but they don't feel safe or they're afraid mm-hmm. of losing their jobs or they don't think their manager is going to listen. So really teaching managers and leaders how to listen 
Yeah. And, and not labeling employees because mm-hmm. he or she may voice a concern um, because, you know, back in the day that did happen. You know, if an employee, I was one of those employees at the time, I wouldn't raise my hand because I thought, shoot, that happened to that person is not going to happen to me. And so I try to share that with individuals to let them know that, you know, yes, it may have happened in the past, but moving forward, this is how we're really going to do things. To, and that's how you can really make an impact on the organization. Describe your most challenging clients. <laughs> wow. Most challenging clients, I would say, would be the organizations where it's just a checkbox mentality. That's the most ta- most challenging because they're just doing it because, you know, the EEOC required them. Mm-hmm. There's a company policy that you must do it. Those are the most challenging because, yes, they will come to the table. They will get trained. And then after that, that's all that happens. And you can take a horse to water, but you can't make or drink it. You know, the old fashioned um, old cliche. But those are the most challenging because you're trying to break through and help them see that maybe they are the the roadblock to having this a, a great breakthrough, but they're just so focused on, well, we just got to do it and boom, boom, boom. They're not embracing the training. They're not involved. Um, they have not been held accountable to do that. And that's why it's most challenging. And then that trickles down because the employees know that. You know, we had training last week. My boss did that this week. They know that. And that's, that's just, you know, you're just falling through the ice. I know. And, that, and that's unfortunate because there's so many good people out there that deserve to have good leaders. Yes. <laughs> they yeah. really do. Um, there was one a particular gentleman that um, was in one of the cohorts of mine. And whenever we practiced a new skill on listening and asking questions, we were just, we did a simple training on asking open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. And he would routinely ask uh, closed-ended questions in the scenario. <laughs> and, and his excuse was, this has always worked for me in the past. This has always mm-hmm. worked for me in the past. And I'm like, and that is wonderful that that's always worked for you in the past. I think that's great. And let's just practice the skill just play with me a bit. Let's just practice the skill of trying it this way, mm-hmm. you know, and we're just practicing a skill, another way of doing it. There used to be a Broadway musical that had the song called there's more than one way of skinning a cat, you know, we can yeah. skin a cat <laughs> several different ways, <laughs> but you know, you could feel the resistance. Like this has always worked for me in the past. Yeah. I'm going to continue to do it this way. And where everyone else in the group, you know, was practicing a new skill and seeing, oh, if I try it this way, how much more can I get my employee to feel safe and be more engaged mm-hmm. if I did it this way? Because when you're asking, you know, can you do it this way? That's a yes or no question. Right. Like, well, what other options do you have? What else can you think of to do? And then you've got to think and have like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I could do this. I could, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it, it, this person was just so stubborn and, um, and it's good to to stretch us as we're training, right? Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> not want to smack them upside know. the head. <laughs> yes, you have to be very agile. Definitely, definitely. So, when you talk about illuminating potential, what does that mean to you? What that means to me is how well it's it's seeking into your soul so deeply that you know what you're good at and you know what your why, what your purpose in life is. So how are you able to express that so that you can do what you love and enjoy the most? And uh, I came up with that because I worked in, like I said, I worked in corporate America for 27 and a half years and I was, you know, doing well in, in my organization. But I was more so going through the motions. I wasn't living my best life. Yes, I was paying my bills and I was the leader and I was doing everything that a leader should do. But I wasn't doing everything that I, as Linda, wanted to do. 
How do I help leaders from a totally different perspective, help them live their best life, help them understand that, yes, they are good leaders, but from a whole different perspective, how do they really gain respect from their employees in a different way, as opposed to that checkbox mentality? So illuminating your potential is really around figuring out what your why is and how do you as a leader truly embrace changes in your organization, but how do you truly connect with your employees to help them move along with you and help them be really good leaders as well? There's a certain amount of pride I feel, you know, when I feel that my my leadership is on point and people are, yeah, I'm having that influence as a leader, if you Mm -hmm. will, you know, influencing others to live up to their potential, influencing others to be a role model of leadership. There's a certain amount of joy and sense of fulfillment. I know for me personally, that I get out of, of knowing that I can have that influence and that effect on people. And, and like John Maxwell says, I know you're John Maxwell trained, you know, um, leaders create other leaders. They do. Mm -hmm. They do. So with everything that you do, what matters most to you? What matters most to me is that leaders treat others as if they are leaders and not just an employee. Because when you work for an organization, yes, you are an employee, just like that leader is. But if we don't allow individuals to feel like that company, whatever company it is, company X, that they have a seat at the table, that they are part of the decisions that are being made, that they represent that organization when they go outside of their nine to five and they're at the grocery store. You know, I was that person, you know, I wore my company badge wherever I went. If we as leaders don't allow our employees to embrace that more, then they're just going to look for another company to go to. And that to me, that's really what belonging is. Mm-hmm. I belong at the table. If regardless of who's sitting there, if it's part of that organization, I belong there. And my opinion matters just as much as the next person. And to me, really, that's what's most important. How can folks get in touch with you, Dr. Linda? Sure. They can go to my website, which is www.lindajordan.com. J-O-R-D-O-N. No relation to Michael. Um, <laughs> oh, darn it. <laughs> I know, darn it. Or they can send me an email at linda at lrj-consulting.com. Thank you. Thank you for all the work that you do and for sharing your knowledge with us. And I do want to thank our listeners for choosing to listen to the show today. I'm really grateful that you're listening. And I hope you find something that you can take and use for yourself and the people in your life from this show. And please join us again next week. As usual, I want to leave you with a quote. This one is from Groucho Marx. Uh, hopefully most people know who Groucho was, even if you weren't from the, (laughs) from that era, but this quote from Groucho says, no man goes before his time unless the boss leaves early. (laughs) I thought that was appropriate for you, Linda. Anyway, until next time, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelec. We hope we've been able to inspire you with today's show to take control of your own life and focus on the win. What's important now? Until we talk again, have a beautiful week.